Hello and welcome. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Lily. And this is Little Home Organised, a podcast dedicated to helping you declutter, get organised and reclaim time for the things you love. I was dropped on my head in the delivery suite and rolled over and said, oh, that obstetrician's table looks very, very disorganised. I have an accent, which in America gives gives you 10 more points of IQ. I got into terrible trouble for that. Because we were making a TV show. Welcome. Today we'll be joined by organising legend Peter Walsh to talk about all things organising. We have some exciting news. LHO is bringing you a brand new course. Yay! We didn't rehearse that. About time. (laughs) This one was due a while ago, but anyway, here it is. We are bringing you our brand new wardrobe course. Oh, just in time. Hopefully I can get back into all of my clothes again. (laughs) So to say thank you for listening to the podcast and to give you guys the best opportunity to nab this while it's at a bargain price, head to our website, littlehomeorganised.com.au, check out our courses and you want to go to the organized wardrobe. So Bonnie, what can people expect from the organized wardrobe course? Well, if you're someone who really struggles to get dressed in the morning and it takes you way more than five minutes to find what you need and to put an outfit together, the wardrobe course is designed especially for you. Typically designed for the time poor person as all of our courses are. The videos are short, sharp and sweet and we give you some very practical tips that you can implement straight away in zoning decluttering and organizing your wardrobe so that you can get dressed in less than five minutes. That's right. It is DIY. You can do it on your own time, on your own schedule. So if you want to log in at nine o'clock at night, have a crack and then come back a couple of weeks later, you can, because as long as this course is offered, you're going to have lifetime access. And that's it, isn't it? Life gets in the way and we need to know that we can come back and pick up from where we left off. So if you don't currently love your wardrobe, you definitely need to check out this course. Head to littlehomeorganized.com.au and check out the organized wardrobe. But the best news is yet to come. For the first 48 hours after this episode is released, you are going to get it at the discounted, extremely discounted rate before the price goes on up. So if that sounds like something you want to check out, head to the website. So first things first, let's introduce him. For the past 20 years, Peter Walsh has been working internationally, helping families declutter and organize their homes. Peter has literally transformed thousands of lives with his New York Times best-selling books and TV shows, including 15 years with TV titans Oprah Winfrey and Rachel Ray. And he now returns to our screens with his latest Australian series, Space Invaders. Peter believes that clutter is anything that stands in the way of people living their best lives. Welcome, Peter. Hey guys, how you doing? Bonnie, Lily, lovely to see you. Lovely to see you too. And I have to admit, every time someone says Space Invaders, I think of Pac-Man and the 80s pinball machines. You know, it's, it's funny. We had a long discussion about what to call the show and it went back and forth over a ton of titles and settled on the name Space Invaders, which originally I was not a huge fan of. But I've come to love it because it's kind of like, you know, the space gets invaded by the stuff. Mm. And then Cherie and Lucas and I come in like a tornado and invade the space. (laughs) And then when we're done, the space is invaded by kind of peace and calm. Mm. And so in the end, I don't know, the universe had a really good sense of humor. And I think we were blessed with, with a name that one has great 
brand recognition, mm-hmm. to use a marketing term, two that everyone kind of has a bit of fun with because they do recognize it from playing those games from the 70s. But most of all, it kind of has, you know, a really good connotation across the board. So I think it ended up being a great name for the show. Yeah, and a great show. What I really loved about it is it shows everyday Australian families what it's actually like in everyday Mm. homes because, you know, there are some programs and things out there that are very niched and this was just so practical and from an organising standpoint, so engaging and interesting watching that whole process from start to finish. Yeah, and I think that a lot of those shows that really show the extreme side of clutter with the hoarding can really freak people out, whereas Space Invaders is just such a, you know, typical Aussie family that so many people struggle with clutter. Yeah, we there are a couple of things about the show. One, I have an executive producer role on this show, so I have quite a say in how the show, um, you know, is put together and made. And I think there's a, there's a a huge backlash at the moment against reality TV, where a ton of reality TV is fake, you know, and a big part of reality TV shows is to have a villain, you know, and and to have, you know, one person against another. And you have to have drama and you have to have the screamer. Um, And I think people see that all that is kind of scripted and set up. And our show is none of that. Like none of our show is fake, none of it. And I don't meet the family until the morning I open the front door or until the morning I get to their home. I haven't met the family before that moment. And we don't know where the show will go. We just don't know. It goes where the family take it. And they're normal Australian families. Everyone's dealing with clutter. We've worked really hard over the first season and into the second. Now we're going into the second season to cast different types of families, the single mum, the struggling family, the wealthier middle-class family who are overwhelmed, the young dating person who just can't find love, the migrant family. We've, we've worked really hard to cast very different types of Australian families struggling with different types of clutter to represent the broad, broad spectrum of Australians. And hopefully we've captured a glimpse of all different Australian families and all of it's real. And I think that's why the show's resonated so much. And it also shows you exactly what organisers do when they go into people's homes. Yes. And, you know, that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. And I'm going to skip to it because you've just led into it so beautifully. I remember at an APO conference years ago, someone talking about how there's two types of organisers, those who do and those who teach. And I am a teacher, like through and through. And I know you're a teacher as well. So can you talk us through a little bit about why you choose this approach rather than the doing it for people approach? Uh, You can't do it for people. If you want permanent long-term change, you can't do it for people. And that's, you know, the whole thing about, you know, can you come in and organize my wardrobe and I'll be back at five o'clock and I want to see what it looks like. I have no interest in doing that. That's not what I do. And in the same way that organizing, and this is, this sounds really counterintuitive, organizing is not about the stuff. And if you focus on the stuff, you will never get organized. It's always about underlying issues and the worse the clutter generally the deeper the issue that's been my experience and it's generally about grief or loss or dreams or or past passions or or abuse or or trauma or relationships or that's generally what what clutter is about and you know I've said many times that there are two main types of clutter memory clutter or I might need it 
one-day clutter. Mm -hmm. And there's also more insidious type of clutter. There's malignant clutter that represents something really horrible from your past. And unless you help people to understand why they can't let go of clutter, what the clutter means, you just end up moving the stuff around and not really touching the issue. That's why I'm not a fan at all of the hoarding shows. I think the hoarding shows are largely theatre. I think generally they're far more damaging than anything to the person involved. And I've been invited many times to, to you know, be a host to, to do the, the hoarding on hoarding shows and I flatly refuse because I think those shows are, I don't think those shows are healthy. And you see it at the end of those episodes on those shows as well. They often have some text on screen which shows that one month later, one week later, three months later, that person went back to filling their home again Mm -hmm. and found it to be a hugely traumatic experience. So I can see why you would feel that way because mental health and everything that ties into our stuff is so important. And when someone just comes into your home while you're out at work and you come home and they organize it, it's not surprising that down the track, it's all returned to how it was because they didn't learn anything through it. It's betrayal. Mm. There's something betrayal. And I'm asked many times, you know, my parents are going into respite care for two weeks. I'm going in to clean out their house. <sighs> what advice can you give me? And I'll say, don't do it. Mm. And people are, you know, well, you know, you're no help. I'll ask someone else. <laughs> and, and, you know, what you end up doing is irrevocably damaging the relationship that you have with often with parents. You know, at, at, at first glance, you're doing a wonderful thing by cleaning up the house but you're doing far more damaging something far more damaging because you're you're betraying trust you know you're you're saying to them you're incompetent which maybe they are you can't look after yourself which probably they can't but it's not about the stuff you know there's a huge mental health issue here and you have to deal with that it's interesting the anglican church in tasmania just conducted one of the largest hoarding um one of the largest hoarding surveys in the country. Um, I wish I could remember the name of it. It's just slipped my mind at the moment. But if your listeners look at, um, just do a, a Google search on Anglican Church Tasmania hoarding survey, hoarding study. It's a wonderful read. And I think part one of an ongoing study and it's done in Tassie and it, it's really worth a read. It's fantastic. Mm. We'll have to check that out. Yeah, no, we definitely yeah, will. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't it's not, heard it's of not that what, it's not widely known in the organising community. But it's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, no, that's a great, great tip. Now, okay, a question for you in regards to what you were pre-organiser because for a lot of us, we've come from different careers. We get into organising in various ways. Tell me what was your career beforehand or careers and how did you get into organising? This is a – I could say – I was dropped on my head in the delivery suite and <laughs> rolled over and said, oh, that obstetrician's table looks very, very disorganized, but that is not what happened. Um, I mean, that would be amazing for a newborn to say, yeah. let's be honest. Um, I'm a very highly developed human being. <laughs> I mean, I think I'm like most organizers who never had any intention or any thought or had never heard of organizing. I mean, mm. none of us have ended up where we started. Um, I was originally trained as a teacher, an elementary school, a primary school teacher. I ended up teaching mainly grade seven through grade 10, math, science, graphic arts. I taught for a few years, left teaching and got into drug abuse prevention here in Melbourne. I was the education director for the Alcohol and Drug Foundation, mainly teaching um, interpersonal skills to elementary school, um, primary school kids um, and developing drug abuse prevention programs, which in Australia are largely around interpersonal skills development rather than drug facts. So, you know, risk reduction, uh, peer pressure stuff, all that kind of stuff. 
um, and then was the education director for the National Heart Foundation in Victoria, so health promotion stuff, and then worked uh, the company here, business partner, developing corporate training programs uh, and organizational change stuff for large corporations. We were distributing to about 40 countries internationally, and I went to the United States to open up our office there, and that was largely decision-making skills, performance appraisal, organizational change, all of that feedback, all of that kind of stuff, but at a corporate level to adults. And there's kind of a pattern here about communication skills that suddenly makes sense further down the track. We ended up selling that company, and I got into the whole dot-com craze early in 2000 and rode that up into the sky and then screaming into the ground in the early 2000s. And in about 2003, a friend of mine who produced programs in the States was making a a program called Clean Sweep for um, the Discovery Network and said to me, you'd be really good at this. Why don't you give it a shot? And I auditioned and I have an accent, which in America gives (laughs) gives you 10 more points of IQ and I got the job. And my, my interest was, I have a master's in, in educational psychology, so my interest was way more in the psychology of organizing than in the physical side of it, although I'd had experience in that in businesses. And so that's kind of the direction the show took. They originally wanted to go on, you know, how to, you know, how to organize a closet and how to fold clothes, which I have very little interest in, although you have to do that. And so it's kind of the psychology side of it took off. And that's been my, my focus from the start. And I think that's where I've steered my whole area of organizing. And then uh, the show, we shot 120 episodes of that show and the Oprah show picked me up. I was with Oprah for about five years and did a number of shows on her channel and then have been flying back and forth to Australia for the last eight years doing The Living Room and then now Space Invaders. So, you know, I don't know. So the answer is I don't know how I'm going to Delivery table and then from there. <laughs> yeah. but, it all just, but it all just, it's interesting it is the, I think, the only profession where all of my past experience, education, ed psych, drug abuse prevention, health promotion, risk reduction, uh, promoting healthy behaviours, corporate training, corporate communication, development of communication skills programs, all suddenly find an intersection in, mm. in what I'm doing. In, in, um, and I have a great interest in design all suddenly find an intersection in in professional organising. So it's just the universe, again, has a great sense of humour. Yeah, it is interesting and I I have met so many organisers over the years and my background is primary teaching as well and so my focus or my passion, I suppose, is workshops and working with kids. But you meet people who used to be nurses and they're really good at helping disability families and it's just I love that we're all so different and we just bring this amazing set of skills from our previous careers into people's homes. It's amazing. I love it. Uh, I have a question that's kind of off script, if that's all right, with the two of you. Okay. Um, because it's been something I've been thinking about over the last week, Peter. I'm wondering, because you have been organising for such a long period of time, surely there has to be families or individuals that you've worked with that really stand out as far as the experience or the progress you made with that client when you organised with them. Is there anyone that you feel comfortable sharing a story about? Um yeah, there's a couple. I mean, generally, the ones that stand out the most, I think, it sounds morbid, but are, are the ones that revolve around end of life. And I think one one family in particular I was dealing with, the father had end-stage uh, leukemia. Um, he had two older teenage daughters and uh, husband and wife. He was at end-stage leukemia. And in the middle of the sort, it was a TV show, and in the middle of the sort, 
the, the it, it became obvious that one he didn't have very long to live, but it became very obvious that he had never had that conversation with the girls. One was, I guess, one was about 20, 21, and the other was nineteen. And it became obvious they had not had that conversation. And the girls, the girls were ready to let go of kind of everything, but that was kind of symptomatic of the fact that they were terrified of kind of holding on to anything. Like it was a weird reaction to him going. They knew instinctively that he was going. And so holding, they kind of didn't want to hold on to anything because they knew that he was going. I mean, I can't even say it properly. And so I said to them, have said to him, have you had the conversation with your girls that your disease is terminal? And the, the whole world stopped. And he said, no. Like even now saying it, I've got chills. And I said to them, are you aware that your father is dying? And they were just like, everybody knew, but no one had said it. And they said, yes. And I said, have you spoken with him about this? And they said, no. And I said, will you have this conversation? And they said, not with the cameras rolling. Mm. And I said, if I turn the cameras off, will you have this conversation? And they said, yes. And I said, okay. And I turned to the cameras and I said, turn the cameras off and step back. Mm. And I got into terrible trouble for that. (laughs) Because we were making a TV show and I said, step away. Yeah, that was more important. The The cameras went black. And for about 40 minutes, they had, they had never had, and they had that conversation for the first time with their father, and he died about three months later. Wow. They had never had that conversation. Oh, and those moments stick with you. Yeah. And we went, my partner and I went to the funeral, and I spoke with the mum a few times after that. And so, and, you know, there's, and there was another, another similar case where, you know, a young child had passed away. He died also strangely of leukemia. Um, and four years later, the parents, they had another child, young child, boy. They used to go into his room every night and set his alarm clock and turn on the white noise machine. Oh. Four years after he passed away, they hadn't touched anything in his room. And while I understood it, it was just very unhealthy. It was mm. unhealthy for the surviving boy. And we kind of went through everything that was in his room. And there was still stuff in his, you know how I mentioned before, malignant clutter. Mm. There was still stuff in his room. That was like IV infusion stuff that the kid hated and caused him incredible pain, but they couldn't let it go because they feared that if they let that go, somehow they were dishonoring his memory. And, I, you know, they're the ones I remember. And we ended up letting go of all that and just keeping a small box of the stuff they most remembered. Yeah, there are cases. There was another funny one. I'll tell you one, one other quick one because I know we're on a time. <laughs> um, the wife who had divorced, and her mother, this is, I, I shouldn't talk like this, her mother-in-law was a real cow. And she, her mother-in-law was such a cow and she really disliked her mother-in-law, but her mother-in-law had given her a 12-piece dinner service that she insisted she used every time she came to visit and she oh, hated this oh, dinner service. Control. And, so I said, oh, and she divorced her husband and she had this dinner service and every time she looked at it, she despised it. So I said, okay. And we gathered up in a box and went out in the back lane way of a house and there was a huge brick wall. And I said, you hate it that much? And she said, I said, pick up a cup. And she picked it up and said, smash it against the wall. Oh, I couldn't possibly do that. I said, do it. And so she smashed a cup. I said, smash a plate. And by the end of it, she was dancing and she smashed every single piece against the brick wall. I got such bad feedback. 
how, how destructive, how horrible. But the thing is, it was a ritual. Yes. Cathartic. Where she let go of all that and cathartic, exactly. So, yeah, there was something. Oh, <laughs> it's a privilege, to, isn't it, to be a part of these yeah, moments? And, yeah. And it used to, you may have seen on Space Invaders, I got one woman whose husband had left her after 30 years for a younger woman to smash the headboard from the, the marital bed in the master bedroom, she smashed it with a sledgehammer. <laughs> I got such resistance to doing it. She loved it. <laughs> you go for it, girl. You smash that headboard <laughs> and you just imagine that headboard to be whatever you want. <laughs> with, with a sledgehammer. So, yeah, I mean, and it's a privilege. It's a privilege to go into people's homes, to be invited into their lives and to help them to move because clutter, as you said at the start, clutter is anything that stands between you and the life you want to be living. And if that is a roadblock to happiness, if that's a headboard that represents some bastard that's walked out on you after 30 years of marriage for some bimbo, if that's some horrible cow who's tortured you for 10 years because you don't live up to her standard of what a daughter-in-law should be, if that's the the spectre of death that's stolen your eight-year-old son, then let's let's get that let's get that that hurdle out of your life mm. any way we can with a sledgehammer or by breaking it to pieces or you know that's what we need to do we need to you know invoke any any wild ritual or any anything we can to help people break through to that other side that's what our job is and mm. I love that. Mm. There is something to be said for those rituals that help you close a chapter and start a new one. Because we don't have rituals anymore. Mm. You know, there are so few rituals left in our life, you know. And the thing is, even, you know, the ritual of giving gifts, you know, we have rituals for bringing gifts into our homes, Christmas, Easter, birthdays, Hanukkah, um, weddings, but we have no rituals for taking things out of our home. Mm. That's you know, and that's part point. of the problem of the build-up of gifts, the build-up of stuff in our home. So we need to start inventing rituals. So, you know, when I work with families, what's the ritual before a birthday, before a gift-giving event with your kids? So they get used to a ritual of donating stuff before a gift-giving ritual. Let's establish new rituals. We don't have rituals anymore. So as organisers, let's start inventing rituals, one in, one out. Mm. That's another ritual. Um, as a society, um, and I'm not a religious person, but we've lost the concept of rituals that once filled our lives, particularly through religious services. They've gone. So we need to start reinventing rituals that help us to deal with the new idols. And the new idols are all of the stuff that fills our home. Ooh, we need to start. Deep and philosophical, Pete. <laughs> But, but, the, but the thing is, that's what it is. You know, mm. we need, mm-hmm. you know, we need to start, you know, and I, as I say, I'm not at all a religious person, but there's a very good reason that one of the Ten Commandments, and I'm not a religious person, is thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods. Because the thing is, the moment you start wishing, coveting that you have what your neighbor has, that's the problem. Mm. That you want, I want what you want, so I start buying what you want, then you start buying what I have, then Jack starts buying what I have, and that, see, that's, what, that's why coveting, wanting, that's exactly where we are at the moment. 
And it's yep. an old wisdom, but it's, you know, I'm not, as I say, I'm not advocating the Ten Commandments, but thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's good is such an amazing piece of wisdom because, because, um, comparison, comparison is the death of happiness. Yeah, the thief of joy, you know? isn't it? Mm. Yes. Comparison is the death of joy, the death of happiness. Yep. And that's why you look around. That's why social media is the death of joy because you look at social media and everything on social media is fake. People only post the best of, the greatest of, the most illusionary of life, experience, goods, whatever. Mm. That's why I am um, on a, a little bit of a side tangent here. I love Celeste Barber so much because what yeah. her <laughs> what she does on social media is there'll be um, a video of a model who fits a you know certain look that everybody is trying to aspire yeah. to be and she'll recreate it and just like pull some really fun <laughs> poses and she is so <laughs> confident in who she is and she's just yeah. like an everyday woman and it's so real. And it's so refreshing. So refreshing. Yeah, mm. yeah it's mm. so but you, refreshing. But do, do you get? Do you get my point? That yeah. There are there are whole you know the, all these old words that seem extremely outdated mm. are actually absolutely applicable once you strip away all of the traditional kind of layers to them. Yeah. That there is an, an absolutely definite meaning to them that makes sense. Yeah, it's that whole discontent, isn't it? When As soon as yeah. we start comparing, we become discontent with what we've got and then all of a sudden that spirals into us. A lot of people are looking for the answer in stuff and it's certainly, in my mm. experience, because, is not the answer. Because then you think that more is better. Mm. You know, And if one is good, two is great because that's how advertising works, that, look, what you've got is good, but if you just buy this thing, you can acquire the life that you want. Mm. And that's how that's how advertising works. If you just buy the right thing, yep. you can acquire the life that you want. And it's all the, the premise is absolute crap. Mm. If only, if only it worked. I know. I mean, <laughs> I know, we wouldn't exactly. need it all. I would love to buy the perfume that makes me Julia Roberts. Like, bring it on. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. <laughs> so, Peter, I have to ask. Uh, of course, you these mantras would be second nature to you in your mind. Like you say, one in, one out, you know, don't put it down, put it away. Like organized people often have these rolling around in their head. Sure. What are some of the organized strategies that you <clears throat> recognize you use in your everyday in your home to keep on top of stuff? Uh, I think the don't put it down, put it away is a big one for me. Um, no more later is a huge one for mm. me. Like that's also... Don't put it down, put it away is kind of the same thing. Didn't you, um, didn't you say the, once that later is the best friend of clutter? <laughs> I'm, not, <laughs> I'm, not sure, I'm not sure that I coined that phrase, oh, okay. but I certainly use – um, a lot of people attribute that to me. I'm not sure that, that I invented that. I'm happy to take – I'm happy to – when people do that, I'm not sure that's fair, but okay. Um, <laughs> but they, they, would be the, they would be the two biggest ones mm. because, you know, procrastination is the worst thing, you know, if you put things off. But I often kick myself, you know, um, it's funny, just before this, I, I actually just ran in from something and I threw my coat and scarf on the bed and just before this started, I ran in to make sure my hair looked okay because I'm terribly vain. And as I ran past the bedroom, as I ran past the bedroom, it was like, oh, damn, my coat's thrown on the bed and so is my scarf. And then it was like, oh, you know, it's one minute till we start. Damn, I have to get in there. So, you know, I get kind of crazy. Some, I think as I get older, I get a little more ADD. Um, so, so I am kind of crazy about that stuff, about putting, you know, putting stuff away and not leaving it till later. That would be the biggest thing for me. Mm. Because if I find, 
I find if I don't have, I'm not, I'm not a crazy organized person. I really am not. Um, and people, you know, oftentimes, um, you know, magazines or, you know, people who want to do an interview where I live or take photos and they'll say, oh, your closet isn't color coded and that stuff. That's <laughs> Where's the not, rainbow? That's not me. Ugh, that's not me at all. Um, but I find if my space isn't organized, like I'll do a quick whip, whip around before I go to bed at night to make sure that, that things are organized. But like right at this very moment, I need to do ironing, for example. <laughs> so you've got a pile. So for, yeah, well, I'll show you. I'm not embarrassed to show you. Like right here, <laughs> it's not a very large apartment, but see right here yep. next to me yep. is the ironing board with shirts hanging on it. And I put them out last night. The intention was to iron this morning, but I have to run and do some stuff. Um, so, you know, I need to make sure that, that the place is – I don't want to get up in the morning and have stuff all lying around. So yep. I would make sure that everything's loaded and put away. So, you know, don't put it down, put it away. No more later would be the two biggest things. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and doing that daily reset at night. It's sometimes when you're so tired at the end of the day, you just want to sit down and put your feet up. Sure. But you'll feel so much better when you get up in the morning and you don't have things to Fresh do. Fresh slate. Yeah. 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 But I also don't have kids. You know, and, and kids introduce a whole new thing to that. Yeah. They do, but you have a partner, so it's not like you know, it's just it's just you. And I have, having kids is like putting out little clutter fires. You know, every couple of minutes, just <laughs> like clutter fire behind them with a watering can. <laughs> So true, so true. Okay, talking about clutter, we have to ask you, do you have something that you have held on to that's a bit weird, wacky or wonderful because I think it is time for a clutter confession. Clutter confessions. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's um, I- I'm doing quite a bit of work at the moment on helping people downsizing because that's a, the that's a big thing. In my last book, Let It Go, I wrote after mum passed away about five years ago and with my six brothers and sisters, we downsized and decluttered the family home. And the book, Let It Go, I wrote um, kind of after that experience. And the big thing that that taught me was it's really important when you're downsizing to identify treasures mm. and to pull from anything treasures. And, and I own very few things. And from that experience, I pulled from my dad the treasure that he had was his war medals, a copy of his war medals. Mm. And for my mum, she... I pulled two plates. So I've got oh. one here and one in the States. It's beautiful. Um, that she, yeah, that, that she always used to cook my or plate my favourite desserts on. And she always used to plate this lemon cheesecake that I loved on this plate and a lemon meringue pie on this battered plate, green plate, Pyrex plate that's in the States. So these are the only, they were the only three things I took from my parents' home. Wow. Um, and I always say that, you know, people say, you know, I'm decluttering my parents' home and I've got so much stuff. Well, it's like just find two or three treasures yeah. and keep those. And I can tell you all the rest of the stuff doesn't matter. Yeah. So for me, that's, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of it. And, um, and I'm happy that that, and my brothers and sisters basically did the same. Everyone took a couple of things and for the rest, you know, we send it all off to donations. That makes it more special. That may be it? the most beautiful yeah. clutter confession we have ever had. And also I mean, one of the most beautiful teal plates I've oh, ever seen. <laughs> I'm so jealous. Like, <laughs> you're lucky well, you're not the, on the sunny coast. <laughs> well, the, the problem is, the problem is that when everything, and this is another thing I say, the problem is that when everything's important, when you're holding on to everything, when everything's important, nothing's important. Mm. you know, and I say that to people all the time. The funny thing is that, that when you pull out just a couple of treasures and set them aside, and especially if you display them with, 
you know, with honour and respect, frame them up or put them in a box frame or whatever. It's funny how everything else then suddenly pales into insignificance. Mm. You know, there was a woman who I worked with a few years ago. Her grandmother had passed away 25 years earlier. She loved her grand so much that, you know, when she passed away, she was so grief-stricken, she put every single thing from her home into storage, everything. 25 years later, she decided it was time to deal with it. And I said to her, what did you love doing with your grandmother? Baking. So we pulled the boxes out that were from the kitchen. We found some four-by-six cards with her grandmother's handwritten recipes on them, rolling pins, cookie cutters, some other flour sifters and that from there. And she also had photos of her as a little kid baking with her grandmother. I had a huge shadow box made and we had all of these items. It was a huge frame, had them mounted in this shadow box and hung in her kitchen. Um, She cried when she saw it. She let everything else go after 26 years. Wow. A treasure. That was the single biggest treasure. It was worth nothing. It was, and it was priceless. Mm. Find the treasure, treat it with honor and respect. Everything else pales into insignificance. It's so true. And that's what this is. Yes. See, that's what this is. You look at it and it has no value for anyone else, but it is priceless. Mm. And it can be anything. Like the other plate, I remember my mum buying it in 1967 when I was a tiny kid. It's chipped. It's cracked. It's a piece of crap. (laughs) But it represents so much for you. That's the point. That's the point. And everyone has something like that in their home where everything else means nothing, but that holds all the memory. Mm. That's the treasure. And that's what you should pull from a home. Mm. I love that. The whole, it's it's like treasure hunting. Exactly. And that's what you say to people. Imagine your parents left something in this house that has meaning only for you. Mm. So instead of taking everything out and taking it to your garage, you work from the opposite end and say, go into the house, find the five treasures Mm. that are absolutely meant for you to carry in your heart and take to your home, and then who cares what else is in there? Do you see? It completely shifts the dynamic. And then who cares? Yeah. Who cares? It's not your stuff. It's not your life. None of that is your life. Mm. Your life is those five treasures. And sure, there's money there. Sure, there's value. Get someone else to sell it and get back to your life. Yep. I love that it is like the positive twist because so often people focus when we're decluttering on what they're losing and it's so important to turn around and actually focus on what you're gaining instead. And no one who loved you would want you to be suffering under the physical and psychological burden Mm. of all their stuff. Exactly. Think about it. And I say to people, if your mother was standing here, what would she say to you? People start laughing and they say, she'd say, you're an idiot. What are you doing? Yeah, well, I'll say it, I'll say it for her. You're an idiot. What are you doing? <laughs> I love how candid start- you are. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> it's like, refreshing. It is refreshing. There's not a lot I of people who can time. get away with it. <laughs> you don't have time. No. Life is short. Life is short and you're arguing about a 1960 piece of ugly brown furniture <laughs> that nobody, that your mother hated, <laughs> that you hate, and the only reason you're holding on to it is because your sister also wants it, and the truth is nobody wants it. What are we doing here? 
that's the truth. And people start laughing because that's the truth. It's all crap. Your parents held on to it and they hated it. What are you doing? Find the treasures. Find the treasures and walk away. So we true. Should, we should rename the episode to Find the Treasures because that has been <laughs> – or Cut the Crap. Or Cut the Crap, yeah. <laughs> you see that? We all focus on – on all the stuff, and people say I'm overwhelmed and paralyzed. Mm. Of course you are, yeah, because you can't deal with all that stuff. So flip the whole thing, deal with just what you can, the five treasures, and suddenly all your perspective changes. Mm. Oh, beautiful! It's amazing. I yeah. love it. That's so good. Oh, Peter, I feel like we should wrap up with you know one question because everything you've been saying have been absolute pearls of wisdom and I'm sure there's tons of those in your books so you've obviously got a few books and your latest book is let it go if someone was looking to get some more information about this stuff is let it go the best book for them to start with I think um, I wrote my first book was called um it's all too much it's kind it's a great book in my basic philosophy but it's kind of dated now it was it kind of predates a lot of online stuff and so on it's still a great book but Probably let it go is it you know um, you know has the best the most up to date and covers my philosophy the best. They can send me an email at service at my website peterwalshdesign.com. I answer all my own emails. If you send me an email, you get a response from me. Um, yeah, it's all there. Uh, my Facebook page has all my stuff there. Space Invaders. It's, yeah, I'm easy to find. You are very easy to find and very easy to listen to. And I have to admit, this is totally not me sucking up, but when I started my organizing journey 10 years ago, your philosophy and your psychology behind clutter and, you know, it's about the person, not the stuff, mm-hmm. was instrumental in how I developed my style as an organizer. And I've just, well, thank you. I've held on to that for a long time. So thank you for being one of those key role oh. models in our industry thank that you. has really shaped. And bringing, the way that we see and it. bringing awareness to the industry and mm. what the industry can really do for people's lives as well. I'm curious to know, and I think I know the answer to this, Peter, are you ever going to be joining the world of TikTok? <laughs> um, you wanna, um, to be honest, I'm actually debating whether to, to give up all social media at the moment. Ooh, I'm we'll the miss you. <laughs> no, um, go on, tell us why. Um, because I'm not sure the benefits outweigh the negative. You know, I, I'm sure you've watched um, The Social Contract, is it? I can't remember the... Oh, the, one the, Netflix. Netflix. the Netflix one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Social um, Experiment? Yeah, it might be that. I can't remember that. Something like that. It's all in there. No, I don't think I'll be joining TikTok. Social media takes up a... When um, Space Invaders launched, I, I spent... I haven't, I haven't opened my um, professional page for the last month, six weeks, because after Space Invaders launched, I spent four months, I spent three days a week about eight hours a day on social media promoting the show. Mm. And, and it's just a massive time suck. Um, and so I'm, I've stepped away from social media and I need to step back again. Um, it's just a massive time suck for me. Um, and I do all that myself. Plus, I've got a business in the state. Plus, you, you know, do that I'm all yourself. Yeah. I'm, wow. That's a huge yeah, commitment. I do it. Yeah. And so, um, no, I won't be joining TikTok. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, Facebook is kind of my thing and that's even day that shows how old I am. Um, <laughs> hey, I am pro-Facebook too and I'm 34. <laughs> um, I'm nearly double your age. <laughs> <laughs> I could see the cogs turning in your I head. I'm trying to do the mathematics. Um, so, no, I won't. I, to be honest, I don't have 
the commitment to do more social media. I just mm. don't. I think a lot of it's self-congratulatory and I'm just past that. You know, I prefer to put my energies elsewhere. So no, I'm happy to do Facebook. You know, I'll step back into that as much as I want to, but no, I won't be joining TikTok. <laughs> oh, so sad. Lily I loves TikTok. I am so into TikTok right now because so many people out there think, and I can, I can completely understand, you, can't be, you cannot spread yourself so thin because then you mm. also can't excel because you're, mm. uh, you know, you're mm. lowering the bar everywhere. But um, TikTok has been so educational for me as far as, yeah, all kinds of, all kinds of things. But, it, yeah, it's addictive. One, one, of the, one, of the, one of the problems for me is I have an extremely black sense of humour. <laughs> and I get into trouble regularly for my sense of humour. And so <laughs> I have to dial back my sense of humour all the time and those around me are like, no, yeah. you cannot put. <laughs> Can't that. say that anymore. <laughs> no, and so that is why TikTok seems to be exactly the avenue that would open up um, a real can of worms. That di- Get eaten alive. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and if you want, if, and if you want to see already the kind of craziness that I get exposed to on Facebook, you know the, you know, you just have to look at the the stuff that I put up when I was vaccinated against um, COVID, for example. You know, that opened up just, you know, a nightmare of stuff for me mm-hmm. and that's just the stuff you see publicly. So I don't need, you know, I'm way past needing that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy just to stick to my lane in terms of social media, you know, and to to promote the stuff I'm doing rather than branch out into other stuff. Mm, right. So to all the listeners out there, if you want to connect with Peter on socials, Facebook is the way to go. That's where you'll find sure. him. But if you want yep. to get in contact, of course, Sounds like email might also be a way to go, but you could be on a wait list because he's he's a busy man. Also, my website, peterwalshdesign.com. Oh, Peter, it has been so lovely talking to you. Anytime, anytime. And so lovely staring at that beautiful painting behind you. I mean, (laughs) it's very zen, isn't it? It's just awesome. Good. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. We'd love to keep the conversation going. Head over to the Little Home Organised community group on Facebook, ask questions, find motivation and share your before and afters. And if you enjoy the show, please help us keep it going by hitting subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen. It's free and ensures you do not miss an episode. But if you really want to share the love, leave us a rating and review. Trust me, it makes all the difference in the world.